Yes, the first Sunday of a new year, a year that God is calling us to greater faithfulness in all areas of our life, but especially here at the Oasis, a greater faithfulness to his house. And it's good to see so many out this morning and good to have those of you that are joining us from your homes this morning all across the country and even around the world. We're glad that you are with us this morning. Psalm 140 this morning as we continue our series on the life of David, the worshiping warrior of God. And in God's providence, he's not only given us a message from David today, but a very timely message for us as we begin the new year. And I think you'll see that as we go through Psalm 140 this morning. God, in his kindness and in his mercy and in his grace, is working through David to lay out for us sort of five steps to dealing with, with adversity in our lives. And you'll see these as we go down through Psalm 140 this morning. And these five steps can be sort of just whittled down to one word each. And they're very simple. Acknowledge, pray, acknowledge, pray, and hope. Those are the five words I want us to get into our hearts and minds this morning from Psalm 140. One of the things, too, that this psalm reminds us of is that before perfection in heaven one day, there is pain here. Before the crown there's the cross. Before glory, there is grace. But let's not forget that this grace that God grants to us and gives us to go through the adversity on earth is all sufficient grace. It is enough for us. And we're going to see that this morning in this psalm. David, as we have been looking at over many weeks now, has been running for his life from King Saul. But we know that that's not the only adversity David ever goes through. That David has been betrayed over and over again. He's had people turn their backs on him. And he suffers from what you and I suffer from at times in our life. And that is the wagging tongues of other people, the maliciousness, the, the slander, the accusations, the falsehoods. We talked about this on Wednesday night as well. And so it's very interesting that God is reminding us of this often. At the end of this last year, at the beginning of this new year, Maybe some of you are even suffering from that right now. There are people in your life who are hurting you with their words. They are verbally attacking you in some way. David understands that, and he's going through that right now in his own life. What's the first thing, though, that he does in this psalm? He acknowledges his circumstances. Notice with me in the first couple of verses of Psalm 140. 
He says, he talks about wicked men in verse 1, violent men in verse 1, those who plan to harm him, verse 2, who stir up conflict, whose tongues wound like a serpent, whose viper's venom is behind their lips. He talks about the wicked in verse 4 and violent men again in verse 4 who plan to knock him over. And then in verse 5, he talks about proud men who hide snares for him and evil men who spread a net so that they can set traps for him. David is not denying reality. David is not trying to escape reality and his circumstances. He's laying it all right out there, and he's facing it, and he's acknowledging it. This is a very important step for us to remember, especially as the people of God. Too many Christians, when life gets really difficult and hard and, and, and circumstances can be, you know, overwhelming in a, to a point, we can tend to fall into denying how bad things really are or how difficult they are, or we try to run from it in some way, to escape it in some way. And that's not at all how we should or how God wants us to deal with life. God wants us to understand that we can face down the most difficult circumstances in our life that we will ever face, the hardest times in our life, and that we can face it all and deal with it all, not because we are enough, but because he is enough. That God is so great that he can get us through anything and everything in our life. And it's only when you and I are willing to acknowledge the sort of the, the full force of our circumstances that then hopefully we lean on God and turn to him and depend and rely upon him and realize that when God maybe even is all that we have, we realize that God is all that we need. And so at the beginning of this year, again, what a great way to start out the year by reminding all of us, even as Nicole prayed, we don't know what this year holds for any of us. But I'm sure for each of us, it's going to hold at least at some point some kind of trial, some kind of season of difficulty or days of difficulty and all of that. It may come from other people and the pain that they are inflicting upon us, it may just come from something else, but the idea is God wants us to learn to face down our realities and acknowledge our circumstances because he is sufficient and he is enough. And maybe that's what God is encouraging you to do today. Maybe you are in the midst of something difficult or challenging in your life, and you've sort of tried to deny the reality of it or to run from it or to try to escape it. And God is saying to you today, face it and face it down with me. 
No matter how big your giant is, as we've already even seen in David's life by facing down Goliath, no matter how big your giant is, you face it with me and know that I'm enough for you and I'll get you through. And speaking then about God able to get us through, that leads to the second step. First is acknowledging our circumstances. The second step is praying or petitioning him with your need. That's what David does here. He turns to the Lord, as he does quite often, and he says, God, I need your help. We all need to learn to do that in the midst of our adversity, our hard, difficult days. We can try to struggle through it ourselves, or we can turn to the Lord and ask for help. And notice how David asked the Lord for help here and petitions God with his need, beginning in verse 1. First he says, oh Lord, rescue me. Rescue not only means to deliver, but this word is very interesting. It also means to equip or arm me for the fight. Strengthen my arms. So the idea of rescue or deliverance isn't necessarily, again, escape. It can be that. Deliver me. I can't deliver myself from these men. They're too numerous. They're too strong. They're too powerful. They won't relent. But you can deliver me, God. And maybe your deliverance isn't just either getting them away from me or getting me away from them or changing the circumstance. Maybe your deliverance is arming me and strengthening my hands to get me through, to continue to be in that furnace, if you will, of affliction and know just like he was with Daniel's friends, you will be with me in the furnace and I will come out of that furnace. Even stronger and more purified and more focused than I was when I went into the furnace. You will strengthen me during that time. The second thing David asked for in the end of verse 1 is protect me. From violent men. Watch over me, guard me in order to preserve me. You see. Usually, when you see the Old Testament word protect, it carries with it the idea or implication of preservation. It's not just protect, it's preserve. And David is asking God to do that here. As we saw on Wednesday night. If the Lord does not watch over the city, they watch over it in vain. God is ultimately our safety and our security and our protection. And we must trust him during these times. Notice in verse 4, shelter me. It means to keep me, literally to put a hedge about me and surround me. And there are many examples of that in the Bible, including the the great one in 2 Kings chapter 5 with Elisha and his servant Gehazi who looks up when his eyes are open through Elisha's prayers and he sees the chariots of fire of, of God's mighty angels surrounding them. 
that were normally invisible to him, but now through the eyes of faith that he's given by Elisha's prayer, he sees them. God wants us to see them as well. God hedges us, he surrounds us, he shelters us. And then David once again in verse four says, God protect me. Very same word that he used back in verse one. And then finally in verse six, notice he says, oh Lord, pay attention to my plea for mercy. Hear me, God, listen to me. And by the way, prayer is the privilege of bringing one's cares and concerns before God with the confident hope that he will respond. Do you have that confident hope today? That prayer is the privilege of bringing our cares and concerns before God knowing that he will respond in some way to our cries for help to our calls out to him. So these are the first two steps that David takes. He acknowledges it's bad. I've got evil men doing this. I've got violent men doing this. I've got those who are, who are destroying me or trying to take me down with their tongues, with their mouths. But God, I'm appealing to you. I'm asking you to intervene. I'm asking you, God, either to make me strong enough to get through it or to somehow deliver me through this and from what I am going through. Those are the first two steps. But then as I said at the beginning, I, I go back to the word acknowledge because in verse 6 and 7, that's exactly what David does. But here he's not acknowledging his circumstances. Here he's acknowledging his God. And the first two words of verse 6 are very important. Notice what those two words are. I say. We need to realize, and I think, again, this is so key, especially at the beginning of a new year, we need to realize that what we say to ourselves is one of the keys of living life especially spiritually. We must remember the power of words and not just the power of other people's words that come against us as David is experiencing, but the power of our own words and what we say and speak over ourselves or speak to ourselves. And it concerns both God and really everything. We must make sure that what we are saying is truth and that what we are speaking to ourselves about aligns with God and his word and his nature. Because if it doesn't, you and I are going to suffer because what we say to ourselves literally creates the environment out of which we live. And we're either going to be living by God's words and God's truth that we say to ourselves and that we speak over ourselves, or we're going to be living by lies or falsehoods or things that do not line up with God. And so I'm hoping at the beginning of this year 
that all of us will sort of recommit and rededicate ourselves to making sure that what we say to ourselves throughout each day is truth. That, that it comes from God. That it comes from his word, which then implies that we have the necessity of making sure that we are making a commitment to know his word, to know his promises, so that the things that we say to ourselves are God's truth. What is it that we are saying? And the thing is that you and I can't just say, well, I'll say that once at the beginning of this year, and then that's good to go. Or I'll say it at the beginning of a week, and that's, or I'll say it at the beginning of a day. No, no, no. I have to continually train myself to say truth to myself throughout every day, every moment of the day, every day of the year. I can never stop speaking truth to myself. Our brains and our hearts literally have to have these these grooves cut into them. And, and the problem is that sometimes we've heard falsehood and lies so much either from others or we've told ourselves lies, lies and falsehoods so long that we've cut a deep groove of lies into our life that we live out of that's sort of causing us to live a dysfunctional spiritual life a life that's really missing something. And we've got to learn in order to get out of that deep groove that has already been cut into our life, we've got to cut a deeper groove with God's truth. Think of it in light of those records, albums, that the needle goes into the groove. Our brains and hearts are like those albums. There's grooves there. And the longer we've told ourselves these lies or we've believed the lies that others have told us, the more time it's going to take to cut a deeper groove in order for the needle to go to that groove rather than the other groove, the default, if you will. So the first thing I want us to see here is how important it is that we speak truth to ourselves and that we remind ourselves of who God is, especially. That's the most important thing to us. And notice David says, I say to the Lord, you are my God. He's acknowledging, God, you and I have a personal relationship, a partnership built on faith. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a personal relationship with God? Can you say as confidently as David is declaring here to himself that God is your God? Not somebody else's God. He's your God. And you have a partnership with him. You walk with him every day. You commune with him. You talk to him. You walk through life with him. You have this relationship. It's not religion, folks. It's a relationship that God wants us to have with him. 
And that's what David is saying here by you are my God. And then he says, oh, Lord, again, pay attention to my plea for mercy. Oh, sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. Couple things. First of all, notice how many different names for God David uses here in these two verses. Up in verse 6, notice the word Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah. Then he says, you are my God, Elohim. Then in verse 7, O sovereign Lord, Adonai, Jehovah. And by the way, the verse that I would encourage you to memorize and meditate on this coming week out of this message is Psalm 140, verse 7. O sovereign Lord, O master and ruler of the universe, you are my strength and you are my salvation. That's what David is saying at the beginning of verse 7. My strong deliver. Literally, you are my strength, you are my salvation, and then you shield my head. You cover me, God. You defend me in the day of battle. When the enemy's arrows are flying at me, when I am under attack, God, you cover me. We all need to declare that truth. God is not only our deliverer, he is our defender. That's why David, throughout this series, we've heard him say so many times, God, you're my shelter, you're my refuge, you're my high, inaccessible, rocky summit. You're my strong tower. I can run to you and know that everything will be okay inside of you, God, because you cover me. You're not necessarily going to prevent stuff from happening because that's not reality on earth. On earth, there is sin in all of us and there is sinful people. And much of what you and I will suffer from throughout our lives is simply because of sin, either our own or other people's. And so we've got to just come to grips with that reality. That's just the way it is. But God can defend us and deliver us. And, God, and David is acknowledging that here. We need to make sure that what we are saying about our God to us is true. And that we are reminding ourselves about who God is to us and what he is to us and what he is for us and what he will do for us. We need to continually speak the promises that God has given us about himself to us. And that's what David does here. In the midst of his adversity, He's not only acknowledging his circumstances and petitioning God with his need, he's also acknowledging his God. And you and I need to do the same thing. Continually reminding ourselves about who God is. That's why worship is so important to our spiritual life. That's why songs like we just sung during our time of worship here, it's so important that we not just sing them here, but that we learn the words and that we speak and sing those words over us throughout our week because they're truth and they remind us about who our God is and what we have in him. And that's exactly what David is doing here. But then notice verse eight through verse 11. We come back now to prayer. 
And what is David doing here? He's praying for his enemies to be thwarted. Notice what he prays in verse 8. O Lord, do not let the wicked have their way. Do not allow their plan to succeed when they attack. Is it okay for a person of God to pray for their enemies to be thwarted? Absolutely. It's biblical. Now, notice, David doesn't take matters into his own hands. David doesn't say to God, God, I'm going to go out there and get them. No, David is saying, God, you bring them down. You deal with them. Just as he's done with Saul, he doesn't bring them down. He's asking God to do that. That's up to God, how God wants to deal with his enemies. And in verses 9 through 11, David, in a sense, is praying for what I call boomerang justice. He's saying, God, the things that they're throwing at me, I'm praying that they come right back on them, that they feel what they're inflicting upon me. That the pain that they're trying to to put on me, that that it comes back to them like a boomerang. We understand that principle from the Bible as well. I've used this example before, how Haman had built the gallows for Mordecai to hang on, and it ended up that they were the gallows that Haman hung on. God has a way of performing what we call boomerang justice. That the things that people try to do to others, it ends up coming back on them somehow, in some way, at some point. And that's what David is praying for here. But again, he's appealing to God. He's petitioning God with this. He's saying, God, you take care of these enemies. First of all, David couldn't take care of all of them anyway. And when it comes to to the verbal attacks and, and the wounds and the pain that, that, you know, people's words can bring, you and I can't capture all that anyway. In fact, a lot of times we don't even know what other people are saying about it because they don't say it to our face anyway. They say it behind our back. So we don't know. We can surmise. So these are the steps that David is taking. But the last step to me is the culmination. It's the most important. They all build to this end and they are all built upon this. But this last is the most important. And that's found in the last two verses. And that is hope in your king. And just like in verse 6, The first two words are very key. Here, the first two words in verse 12 are very key. Because in verse 6, the first two words are I say. In verse 12, it's I know. And that word know or the the concept of knowledge here that David is using is speaking about a very thorough, intimate knowledge that gets to a point where it's beyond the shadow of a doubt knowledge. And that it is out of that knowledge comes confidence and certainty, or what we would call hope. 
because that's what hope is. Hope in the Bible isn't how the world uses hope. The way the world uses the word hope is they wish for something, but they have no confidence or certainty that it's ever going to happen. It's a wish. The Bible teaches us, as God's people, that God wants to build true hope into our lives. And that that hope is then an absolute confidence and certainty, a beyond all shadow of a doubt, but it's built and based upon knowledge. An intimate, thorough knowledge of God. And that's why God calls all of us to know him. And not just know of him or know about him, but again, to, have, to, to, to call us into a growing, intimate, personal relationship with him where we are knowing him more and more every single day of our lives as we walk with him. And that the more than we know him through this kind of intimacy and communion and connection and communication, we get to a point where our knowledge gives us such confidence and certainty because of that knowledge. It's like there's no doubt. This is who I know my God is. This is who I know him to be. This is who I know beyond a shadow of a doubt he's going to do for me. And that's how David ends. Notice he says, I know that the Lord defends the case or cause of the oppressed and vindicates the poor. I know that. And that's why then notice in verse 13, what's the first word? Certainly, confidently. How can David be so certain and confident about anything? Because of the knowledge he has about his God, a knowledge that he's only gained through walking with his God every single day. Certainly the godly will give thanks to your name. In other words, David is now able to look past his present adversity that he's dealing with and asking God for help with. And he's saying, God, I know this. I know how blessed your people are. And I know and I have hope that the best is yet to come, that what I'm going through right now as one of your children, as one of your servants, is the only hell I will ever know on this earth. And I can look ahead and I can look forward with confidence to knowing God that there's coming a day where we will, as your people, we will have unending praise and worship of you and we will thank you for all of eternity. And then he says, and the more upright or righteous will live in your presence literally face to face with God and David has hope for that he's confident that that's his future he's certain that that's the way things are going to turn out he doesn't know how things are necessarily going to turn out with these people right now in his life but he knows how things are going to turn out one day David, in a sense, is saying the same thing in just a little bit of a different way that the Apostle Paul states in 2 Timothy 1.12. And I'm not even going to quote the whole verse. 
where Paul says, I know in whom my faith is set. Who? Is your faith set in the one? Is it settled? Or are you still unsettled? You still a little restless? You're still not sure? Still not uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt? Struggling with having that certainty and that confidence that David is explaining? No, Paul says, I know in whom my faith is set and I am confident, I am certain that he is able. Whew. Where do guys like Paul and David get that confidence and certainty, that hope? Because they know their God. They have walked with their God close enough and long enough that they just know. And folks, this is how God wants all of us to aspire to start this coming year. Which tells me that this coming year may have some real trials ahead. Because God wants his people to get settled in him. And to start out this year in hope. In confidence and certainty about him. Not in our circumstances, but in him. You see, in him. How much do you know today, right now, in your life? You would say, I'm certain about this. I'm confident about this. It is beyond all doubt. Do you know God loves you? Do you know Christ came to earth to die for you? That he rose from the dead for you? Do you know that? Do you know that he offers through his son Jesus the free gift of salvation for the wages of sin or death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Do you know that? Do you know you're saved today beyond any shadow of a doubt, because John writes, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. Do you know beyond this? Are you certain? Or do you know that if you were to die today, that to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord and you would be face to face? Do you know that? Are you certain and confident about that? Do you know that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you? Do you know that his grace is sufficient? Do you know that he's gone to prepare a place for you? And if he's gone to prepare a place for you, he will come again and receive you unto himself so that you can be with him? Do you know that? You see, it's so important what we say and what we know. And what we know literally creates the foundation of hope that we build our lives upon because we're building our lives upon him. 
Do you know that you know that you know? Hope in your king. As this psalm ends, we don't know how it was resolved. We don't know how long David had to deal with these violent and wicked men and what they were saying and what they were doing and setting their traps and trying to... We don't know. But to David, what really mattered was that, just like us, there are going to be times and seasons that we go through life that we don't know how it ends yet either, but we can still live in hope. Not because of how our circumstances are going, but because of our God. I know the one in whom my faith is set. Is your faith truly set in God? See, I think at the beginning of this year, God wants all of us to make sure our faith is set and settled in him. And that's what God's calling us to today. So that when adversity and things come up in our lives like David was dealing with in Psalm 140, God in his kindness and mercy gives us these five steps that from David's example. Acknowledge your circumstances. Petition him with your need. Acknowledge your God. Pray your enemies are thwarted. And hope in your king. Folks, we can take those five and we can literally carry them with us through the rest of this year and apply them in so many different situations in our life, all from Psalm 140. Listen, in just a moment, we're going to end our service worshiping the Lord to a song about building our life upon him what God wants us to do. He wants us to make sure that at the beginning of this year, the foundation of our life is Jesus Christ and him alone. That our faith is set and that we are confident and sure that he is able. He is able. So I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come now. And I'm going to ask you if you would stand and join me in prayer before our time of worship this morning as we transition from the word back to worship. Father, I pray today that on this first Sunday of 2024 that God, our hope, is in you. That you, God, are the foundation of our life, that our faith is set and settled like never before. And if, God, there is someone here today that is lacking that confidence and certainty, God, they have been shown how that confidence and certainty can grow and be established in their life. It's through just knowing you, 
through connecting with you every day, communing with you every day, communicating with you every day, literally walking with their God every single day of their life to the point where, God, they know you so well that, God, their confidence and their certainty just grows exponentially. God, I want that for all of us at the beginning of this year. I want us to be a hopeful church. I want us to be a confident church, a certain church, not in ourselves and in our circumstances, but always and only in you, God. You are enough for all of us. You are sufficient. And God, we are so much more settled and strong through our knowledge of you. So give us that desire, God, at the beginning of this year to know you like we've never known you before and to make it, Lord, a priority in our life that the things that we say to ourselves, especially about you, are true. And God, as we sing this song, may all of us dedicate ourselves to building our lives upon you like never before. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.